0: Hello and welcome to the Third Sector
1: podcast. I'm Alina Martin and I'm Lucinda Rouse. We're reporters at Third Sector, the UK's leading publication for the voluntary and not-for-profit sector. This week we'll be finding out why the voluntary sector as a whole needs to pay attention to the food security issue and how charity leaders can influence policy in this area.
0: And in Charity Changed My Life, later, we'll be hearing from someone who received help from Gingerbread,
1: a charity that supports single-parent families. But let's get straight into our main feature. If you listened last week, you'll know that we spoke to Craig Bennett, Chief Executive of the Wildlife Trusts, about the need for charities to have a louder voice in national conversations. He pointed out that charity leaders are too often pigeonholed and only invited to make media appearances to talk about their specific cause areas, in his case, hedgehogs when in fact they should be shaping the wider public debate. Just 2% of guests on political news programmes are from the charity sector according to research from the Sheila McKechnie Foundation. So this week we've decided to dig deeper into a specific topical national issue in the form of food security, find out why it's important for charities across the board and how voluntary sector leaders can influence change. So without
0: further ado, let's welcome our guests for this week. First up is Dr. Courtney Scott, Head of Policy and Research at the Food, Farming, and Countryside Commission. Courtney is a nutrition, food, and public health policy expert and a dietitian by training. Before joining the commission, she worked at the Food Foundation. Hello, Courtney. Hi. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me.
1: Also joining us is James Goodman, Director of Partnerships at The Local Trust, which, among other things, looks at the importance of community-led approaches in overcoming crises. He joined The Local Trust from Forum for the Future, which seeks to solve sustainability challenges by bringing business, government and civil society together. Hello, James. Great to be here. Well, great to have you both. And Courtney, perhaps we can start with you. Could you, in a nutshell, tell us what is the problem with our food system at the moment and why is this such a hot topic?
2: Just an easy question to start with then. Um, yes, yeah, so <laughs> <laughs> The way that we're getting and eating our food poses a number of challenges at the moment in terms of our health as people and also the health of our planet in the kind of impact that the way that we're producing food is having in terms of you know, climate and nature and water and, and sustainability more generally. But then there's also a huge issue with unequal access that people have to food in our society. So we have sort of food security issues, kind of household food insecurity, which is an issue in the UK. There's quite a high level of household food insecurity, which can mean a variety of things from kind of being worried about where you're next meal might come from to actually going without eating or or skipping meals. And that's something that every community across the UK, there will be people who are experiencing varying levels of food insecurity in every community across the UK. So there's challenges with the way that the food is being produced and how it's impacting the planet and therefore our health. There's challenges with the way that the food is impacting our health in terms of the the health qualities and the, the health impact of that food on our bodies. And then there's also challenges with The way that people are able to to get that food and,
0: and to meet their food needs in the current system. Great. And James, what is the Local Trust doing in this area when it comes to communities and food
3: security? Well, Local Trust is a small organization that runs a big program called the Big Local Program. And Big Local is a groundbreaking experimental funding program that puts just over a million pounds into the hands of. 150 local communities across England, and for that money to be spent on whatever residents within that community decide is important over a 10 to 15 year period. So, Local Trust is sort of sitting back and allowing this program to roll out, and it's really very much led by the communities. And we see, and actually, in work that we did with Courtney and her team, we see that food is incredibly important when people are given the choice about what to spend time and money on to help their community, food is one of the first things that they that they go to. It does all sorts of things, you know, it's it brings people together, it creates fun, it surfaces culture, builds culture and connection and the work that we did, we called it food builds community, and it really it really does. What we are seeing at the moment, and it's follow on from what Courtney was saying there, being very conscious of the food system basically being broken or not working for the right people. Mm. It works for some people somewhere, sometimes. But like many, many of our systems at the moment, it's effectively dysfunctional. And what happens when systems are dysfunctional at the local community level is communities step in. They fill the gaps and they create and they mobilize and so on. And so pretty much every single one of the 150 communities that we're supporting is doing something fascinating, radical, important that relates to the food system.
1: And. Obviously, there is no denying the importance of food. And as Courtney, you've laid out, like we are in a very difficult situation at the moment and the future is looking rather uncertain. And as James, you've mentioned, there are a lot of community level initiatives that are seeking to address challenges for community members getting access to food and the right type of food. But why do you both think that this is an issue that charity leaders across the board, regardless of what cause area they are focusing on, need to be aware of and ideally engaging
3: in? I think there's a few reasons why food security and affordability or the dysfunctionality of the food system is important across the board. The one is that food is just essential as part of people's lives. It's fundamental underpinning. So food insecurity, we often talk about food insecurity, we talk about food poverty. What these things are really is insecurity and poverty that are manifest in the food space, but they're manifest in many other ways as well. And so these things are stress multipliers. They mean that you know, everything is much more brittle at the community level and at the small organisational level than it should be. And I know it's indicative of the way that the food system is broken, the way that communities at the very, very most grassroots level have had to step in to keep things running. People are working desperately hard just to keep things going in their communities. You know, they are working you know, 18-hour days more, seven days a week, just to keep people fed. Really isn't their job at all. Uh, we need focus on foundational work for the long term. We need to nurture a different way of doing things. And what we think is interesting is that you can probably get there from those food provision of of any sort, whether it's food banks or food pantries or whatever. And that is a test. It's a microcosm in a way. The work that can happen within the food system can be replicated across the board. And actually, a lot of what we talk about when when we look at what's happened with food at a very local level, it's not about food at all. It's about relationships. It's about individual capacity and agency. It's about the connection between different activities it's about the place where people do things and that goes for health it goes for social care housing pretty much any social economic issue that's manifest at a local level needs work and development in those spaces so it's not just food so the significance of this and the reason that charity leaders need to be aware of this is because this isn't just about food you might not be a charity leader in the food sector this is about the way that our society functions and the way that we look after people and involve people, and what our vision for the future of our society is. So it's quite a big deal, really.
1: (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) And Courtney, do you have anything you'd like to add to that on why it's important for, for example, somebody, a charity, in a cancer charity or something, should be very aware of this debate?
2: Yeah, so I would echo what James said about food being sort of a universal experience we all need to eat it's it's quite an important unifier in our society and our culture but i would say that even if a third sector organization isn't doing any work directly on food they have the knowledge and experience about the issues that will be affecting people that they work with and so those could be some of the root causes as to why someone might be seeking food aid or might be involved needing to go to a food bank or an emergency food or food pantry so poverty income instability, poor health, you know, you mentioned a cancer charity, well, long term health conditions are one of the main reasons why it's a main risk factor for why somebody might be experiencing food insecurity, poverty, isolation, disability, loneliness, all of these things are often the root causes that bring someone into a space where they're looking to get food in a sort of charitable way. And then that opens up a whole nother conversation. So as James was saying, food banks and charitable food aid or any kind of food programs are often the entry point into a wider discussion about what's happening in that person's life, what's bringing them into that service today. And other third sector organizations are often referring people into food aid initiatives. So joining up these dots and bringing that kind of knowledge and experience in to the food system conversation is really important because it gets to the heart of like why is this system here and why is it functioning in the way it is and so i think the third sector is arguably better placed than many other sectors to contribute that knowledge and expertise into the conversation about how we change the way that we're getting and producing our food
3: i think that we're seeing that across the third sector an increasing awareness and agreement that place is important that if you want to especially if you want to affect system change that doing it in a place, a specific place, rather than thinking national level, regional level, is a really great way of doing that, really important for all sorts of reasons. And so the place that means most to people is their community. And communities have the the effectiveness of communities, the functioning, the thriving of communities has been systematically reduced over decades. We need to reverse that. I think it's incredibly important to reverse that for all sorts of reasons. And food is a great way of, of doing that. And that, that you know, some of the work we've been doing uh, has shown that you know food brings people together. Local food initiatives are the ones that people turn up to. You know, communities that we work with, they'll run. They might run an event for community, bring people out of their houses and into the, the community centre. If there's free food on offer, people will come, and that's where getting to people. And so, food as a way in to building community is a way of building people's engagement with improving people's mental health, improving physical health as well, getting people outside and doing stuff in the gardens or community farms or so on and the building connection and building social capital and, you know, eventually the organisational capacity of the community. You can do that through food and if you can get that moving, then that helps to solve all sorts of other issues. The community is then a better partner. For the third sector organisations and whatever projects are being uh, implemented in that area because the capacity is higher because the number of people involved is higher people are engaged and have that high level of collective efficacy which means things work better at the community level
0: and courtney from your perspective as a policy expert how can the third sector influence policy in an effective way when it comes to food security?
2: Well, I think there's a lot of power in the voice of lived experience that the third sector can contribute to policy discussions and policy debate, which is often missing. And quite frankly, policies often made in isolation of the kind of everyday lives and realities of the people in the communities that the third sector will be working with day in and day out. But I think to contribute effectively to to policy on food security, we need to consider that food security is not just about the quantity of the food, but it's also about the quality of that food. And previous research we've done at FFCC, in which other research has echoed, and which we heard about in the research that we've done with Local Trust as well, found that even people who are experiencing kind of acute food insecurity, or they might be showing up at the food bank needing food for that day, they are still interested in out and care about and desire good quality food. So we have to kind of think about, you know, when we're making policy for food security, are we talking about food security for whom and for how long? And so that the kind of quality of the food is really important in terms of the health impacts of it, but also how it's being produced. So if the food we are quote unquote, securing is damaging people or planet, can we really say that we're Food secure.
3: Courtney's absolutely right. You know, that policy, you know, is incredibly important in creating the incentives and structures and there's a lot that, for example, businesses can't do without the right policy backdrop to incentivize long term investment in sustainable food systems. But there's also a lot that the third sector can do that isn't about policy. And you know, I'm a great believer in exemplars. And it is possible for the third sector ecosystem of of funders and big charities, small charities, social enterprise, community groups, resident volunteers and so on, to be in a relationship which is quite creative and is searching and pushing a way forward and is showing what is possible at a local level to start creating a more sustainable setup at a local level, a more sustainable community-led food system. And that's showing, not telling in a way you know, here we are, this is what's possible help us to do more, I think is a, a would be a really powerful way, is a really powerful way of influencing the wider policy space.
0: And James, from your perspective, what would you say to charity leaders who would like to get involved, but might be having a hard time getting internal buy-in, since it is obviously, like you've already pointed out brilliantly, food security concerns everybody. But... If it's not the charity's main cause area, then people might have a harder time to get internal support due to either resources being, you know, limited. What would you say to those people? How do you motivate the entire organization to get behind this?
3: I think that's a really tough one. And it goes to the nub of it, doesn't it? Because if you're leading a charity, you've got to keep the lights up. you've got to keep the services going. You've got to provide For the people, your beneficiaries, it have to be absolutely front of mind, front of centre all the time. But how do you think about the longer term at the same time? And I think that does come back to seeing and really getting and being able to lead the organisation to see that issues are not separate and siloed. That health issues are very connected to food issues, are very connected to housing issues. And this is, it feels so obvious to be saying this. (laughs) it's absolutely obvious but when it comes through to actual behavior and practice to say to let's say a cancer charity it's very important that when you're putting in place uh, when you're funding at a local community level let's say through a, a local health center or something that there's investment in human relationships and the connection between different people that there's relationship between them and the food activities that are going on there as well. I think sort of trying to see outside of the silos and boundaries. I think when we're focused on short-term need and addressing short-term need, we tend to have tunnel vision. It's just a natural instinct to do that. We need to make time to step back and see how everything is connected and that supporting people with capacity, skills, the time to think, the time to imagine and work in relationship with others, it has benefits right across every aspect of of service delivery in the third sector, of you know, social need.
1: Courtney, do you have any practical pointers for charities and their leadership who are looking to become more actively involved in the national conversation on food security? How can they do that? I think
2: one of the things that, that James was saying there, which I think is really important, is that not every organisation needs to do everything and to think about who you could partner with. Who you could bring into the conversation that you're a health focused charity. Well, could you focus with somebody who's more focused on poverty or more focused on food and do some work together? Specifically, I would say quite important for charity leaders who are looking to become active in the kind of national and policy debates around food to call upon that, as I mentioned before, that lived experience of the people that they work with and to bring that into those spaces. FFCC is launching a national conversation on food later this year, which is exactly aimed to do that, to kind of hear what citizens want policymakers to be doing on food and food systems. But so much of what influences a person or a family's ability to secure enough high quality food will be determined by those issues that charity leaders are working on across the board, as I mentioned earlier. And so bringing those issues into the debate through firsthand lived experienced voices is a really unique role that the third sector could play. And then I think the other thing is to say to remain focused on that question that I raised earlier around food security for whom and for how long and does the approach that's being taken either by a particular organization or a group of organizations, does it maintain the kind of status quo or does it move us forward into a different future where we can meet those immediate food needs where people have them in the community while also moving us into a different approach for the longer term, kind of building these thriving community food systems where food is bringing people together, but it's not just there as a kind of emergency food need. And so I think that that's a sort of practical tip is to just ask the question to yourself, like, you know, in what way is this work contributing towards a different food future and who could I partner with or who could we work with to potentially join up that conversation and have a more joined up conversation about the issues that I'm working on at my particular charity or my particular organization and how they are feeding into or contributing to the debates and discussions that are happening about food in communities and at the national level as well.
1: And you have been working on and I believe are about to release a new report have you not on charitable food aid
2: yes yeah we've been doing some work which builds on the work that James mentioned earlier that we did with local trust the first report called food builds community and in that we were discovering how many of the communities especially this was focused on the big local communities so many of them were doing work on food and and a lot of it was in the sort of responding to immediate kind of food needs in the community. And the people we spoke to had these beautiful visions for what food could look like in their communities in function in a different way. And so we were asking ourselves the question, what needs to happen to move from what's currently taking place in terms of primarily responding to emergency or immediate food needs, to move towards these Beautiful visions for kind of thriving community food systems that many of the communities had, and they had aspirations to move towards that. Well, what needs to happen to make that change and to help that shift? And so we put our heads together after that initial piece of research and thought, well, one of the things that could help to shift this system is by bringing together funders and other actors who are helping to kind of shape the way that this response in communities is happening and to explore. How do we move forward while also continuing to meet the emergency or the immediate food needs? And so we've taken a group of funders and a group of communities through a couple of months long process where we explored exactly that, the vision and how we can help to achieve it. And we'll be releasing the report this week. I think by the time this is released, the report will also be live on our website. And I think some of the key things are about funders and others in this space helping community organizations to create space in their own work to do that imagining and that visioning for how a different approach or how a different future looks like. And we've got some practical tips in the report for some practical questions for how to guide that work. But there's a really important role for funders to play in this and to help provide that time and space and capacity through the funding to enable communities to put their heads together and say, how do we enact a different way forward here?
0: And perhaps on a final note, in your work, what would you say are some of the reasons that charities who choose not to get involved in the debate, what is their reasoning behind that? And what would you say to those organizations to change their mind? What's your pitch?
2: So I would say that food is something that we all interact with three times a day, if not more. (laughs) And it feels so familiar to us. And yet, it feels so out of control for us. You know, the way that the food arrives in the supermarket or arrives at the warehouse that the charity might be getting the food at, it's sort of like this big black box of we don't really know how it gets there. We don't, you know, there's, there's a whole lot of work that happens behind that. And it can feel quite complicated. And it can feel like a a challenging issue to start to just jump into and and get your head around but what i would say is for all of its complexity cuz you know the way that the food system functions is quite complex there's international aspects to it for all of that complexity at the end of the day there is a simplicity about food as well and it is about what we're putting on our plates and whether it's good for us and good for our communities and good for the planet and Getting involved in that debate, we don't need an organization to step in and to say, I'm going to start addressing all the complexity in the food system, but to say, I'm aware of how food is affecting this issue. And I think I'm aware of how we could potentially help to improve the food situation through this work. I think it's sometimes the complexity about food is used as a barrier to people getting involved in it. But I think we can step back and see at its core, food is quite simple. It's something that can connect all of us. It's something that appears on all of our tables. It's something that communities across the country are are working on or potentially are struggling with. We can all engage in it in some way. And I think it's about finding the way in that people can engage with it rather than trying to tackle a whole, the whole thing.
1: And James, is there anything you'd like to add to that?
3: Just a completely different end of the scale. I mean, Courtney talked about absolutely how food is part of everyone's life. And that means that everyone is connected and has a stake in the conversation. So very concrete and and personal. So what's happening with our food system is emblematic of, of what is happening right at a global level now. We find ourselves in a food crisis. It was absolutely exacerbated by the pandemic. And we saw how grassroots communities stepped in to keep things moving. We are going to feel, as time goes on, more and more pressure to act in the short term. Remedial activity has multiple crises of Climate and political crises and polarization and geopolitical shocks and possible future pandemics hit. And sorry, that sounds a little bit grandiose and negative, but the chief scientist of UK government back in something like 2006, 2007, did a speech talking about a perfect storm of crises coming together around 2030, around food, energy, water, and so on. We are heading towards that. And so, what we do with food. Food might be one of the easiest things to crack. <laughs> we can cut our teeth on that. We need to move as a whole culture out of short-term, remedial, always being like a rudderless ship, lacking crew in a storm. We need to be able to navigate effectively all of these crises that are hitting us all the time. Food is a great way to, to start that process of thinking through how to do that.
1: And who do you think should be the captain of that ship on this particular food crisis?
3: Well, there you go. That's a very top down notion of leadership, isn't it? And I think, that's, uh, <laughs> I think it's more of a sort of a collective that would probably work on that ship <laughs> mm-hmm. rather than just one captain.
2: It would be a cooperative because the, the future for food, I think, is much more in the cooperative space. So I would echo that. It's a cooperative ship.
1: OK, Well noted. Courtney Scott from the Food, Farming and Countryside Commission and James Goodman from the Local Trust. Thank you both very much for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: Now we move on to Charity Change My Life, in which we bring you the stories of people whose lives have been transformed for the better through the work of charities. This week we hear from Phoebe, how Gingerbread, a charity for single parent families, has helped her.
4: I first found out about gingerbread when I became a single parent at the beginning of 2018. Me and the children's dad um, had split up and I needed some advice on how to navigate being a single parent from childcare arrangements, housing, accessing benefits. So I googled advice for single parents and gingerbread was the first thing that came up. So I contacted the helpline and went through My situation. I really don't know where I'd be without that advice because that call gave me the courage to make other phone calls to local services to get in person support. They just are a fountain of all knowledge when it comes to single parent rights. There's nowhere else that people should call. If they're finding themselves in a situation where they are thinking about leaving someone, you can still ring the Gingerbread Helpline. Five years on, I am in a new relationship, have been for over a year now. But I wear my single parent badge with pride because my children just are amazing. And I just feel like I've overcome so many hurdles, not being employed, just living off benefits to now working and being able to provide for my children and it's just me, it's just my money. When a role came up at Gingerbread, I kind of jumped at the chance because they had supported me and I want to be able to give back in my own way, supporting other single parents. Uh, I can't imagine working anywhere else now because I've kind of found the charity that feels like home, really. And if you would like your organisation to be featured in Charity
1: Change My Life, we'd love to hear from you. All it takes is a short voice message from someone who has benefited from your services submitted to our voice note mailbox. You can find the link to record your message and further guidance in the show notes to this episode. That's it for
0: this week. Next week, we'll be bringing you a very special podcast recording from the Third Sector Fundraising Summit. But until then, thank you to our guests, Courtney Scott and James Goodman, and our producer, Nav Pal.